Market View on Money FM 89.3. We're about 14 hours uh, past the Federal Reserve's uh, last policy decision of the year and a lot really to digest. Not only did the Federal Reserve expectedly decide to hasten or speed up the pace at which they were tapering, at, at which they taper their bond buying program, but the dot plot also hinted at about three rate hikes in 2022. Despite that, though, we did see that markets across uh, the Asia-Pacific region did respond rather favorably to the prospect of higher interest rates and tighter monetary policy from the Fed. This today is also a very busy day in terms of central bank decisions across the world. And we are also coming to the end of a very challenging and rather surprising 2021 for markets and Asian economies. To help us wrap all of these details up, we are pleased to be joined today on Money FM 89.3 by Mr. Frederick Newman, who's the co-head of Asian economics at HSBC, who is here to share with us his takeaways and thoughts about the Fed's decision and what this might mean for economies across this region. Frederick, thank you so much, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. And welcome to the show, sir. Hope you're having a great afternoon in Hong Kong. Thank you very much, JP. All right. So, Frederick, you know, we've had some time, as we mentioned, about 14 hours to digest the Federal Reserve's most recent policy decision. There was a lot, actually, to take uh, to, take, to take stock of, actually. But I do want to ask you to help us to just summarize this and really just uh, put a nice bow around it. What were your key takeaways from the meeting's results? And is this all systems go pretty much for a quicker taper and tighten procedure now out west? Well, the Fed really signaled that it is becoming more concerned about inflation. Even a few months ago, the Fed still said, look, inflation is transitory. Then they dropped that term. And now we have a big shift. Uh, We're looking at accelerated tapering and rate hike possibly as early as March. And then after that, two more rate hikes and even quantitative tightening might come at the end of the year. So it's really a sharp change. But guess what? Markets rallied on on the back of this because much of it was priced in already. Okay. You know, there were fears that the Fed and central bankers may be behind the curve in terms of tackling inflation, Frederick. And these were stoked when Chair Powell did say a few weeks ago that we, it might be time to stop calling it transitory. However, calling inflation transitory was actually um, their idea, not ours, right? Now, hindsight is a twenty twenty, but in your opinion, do you think that the Federal Reserve got this one wrong? And I guess the follow-up also is, how difficult is it to get back on track with inflation if they did? Well, now the the Fed has to pedal hard to get in front of the curve again, uh, having fallen probably behind just a little bit. But I wouldn't blame the Fed entirely. Um, This is really an unusual set of circumstances that we're facing. Uh, That's the first thing. And the Fed has also, you know, has to keep in mind that there were tremendous stresses on the financial sector uh, with the pandemic. Uh, So they had to walk cautiously. But now things look like they're on train. And now the Fed has really green light to catch up. And that's why you see this acceleration. And the market is probably relieved that actually the Fed is now targeting inflation because there was a while where we thought, well, is the Fed doing enough? And now they signal, yes, we'll do what it takes. Indeed. And do you think that that markets and perhaps economies around the world perhaps are saying right now that inflation is going to be more important than, say, facing higher borrowing costs in the year ahead? 
Well, the risk is still tilted now to a higher inflation, probably globally. But remember, the U.S. is really the leading edge here when it comes to inflation. Other areas uh, like Europe, for example, like Japan, a uh, bit elevated inflation, but but certainly nothing really to, to worry as much about. And, and much of Asia, actually, perhaps with the exception of India, not facing as high inflation shock as the U.S. So, so the U.S. is really uh, kind of the leading edge here. Uh, in the rest of the world, it's still more manageable, I would say. Indeed. Now, it's interesting, though, Frederick, because when you look over the last two years, we've seen the central banks of the world's two largest economies actually drift in opposite directions. You know, we see the, uh, as the Fed has talked about perhaps taking a more hawkish stance, there's talk of the PBOC in Beijing looking to ease policy at the same time that the Fed tightens. And mind you, I think about two years ago, they were on the opposite sides of the spectrum. Um, you know, they had the roles reversed. What do you think, make of the seeming drift and differing of policy styles between the Federal Reserve and the PBOC? And what do you think are some of the things we can actually learn from this? Well, it's a reminder that really the Chinese economy is now ticking to its own rhythm. It's no longer, mm. you know, dependent on the global cycle. It's really domestically driven. And so you get these divergences in, in monetary policy. And I think that's really a contour of the future. You will see policy increasingly diverge. Uh, we used to all follow the Fed uh, over the last few decades. Now we have a big new player in town. And, and really, we see divergence as a result. Now, divergence in monetary policy can introduce more volatility into foreign exchange markets and into financial markets generally. So watch this space. We might actually be heading into a more volatile period. As you see one central bank tighten, the other easing, that's always hard for markets to get their heads around. In fact, do you think, Frederick, that this might actually create a scenario where other central bank policymakers around the world who might be mostly marching to the Fed's beat, at the beat of the Fed's drum, might actually decide to diverge and perhaps have two um, uh, two two drummers at least in the band. Yeah, you have two drummers and you just uh, try to decide who you'll follow. Um, uh, when it comes to Asia, we have actually now less urgency by Asian central banks to follow the Fed compared with the past. Uh, if you look at economies like Indonesia, for example, Malaysia, um, I, you know, certainly other economies across ASEAN, they will not tighten as quickly as they would have in the past, given the Fed tightening cycle. And so you see already Asian central banks falling halfway between the stools. On the one hand, China easing. On the other hand, the Fed tightening. And the rest of Asia is kind of splitting the difference and is kind of just tightening at the margin. Indeed. We're still speaking to Frederick Newman, the co-head of Asian economics at HSBC here on Money FM 89.3. Um, as we mentioned, Frederick, this is perhaps the decision by the Fed, perhaps the most important of this very busy calendar in terms of central bank decisions. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's about 17 of them actually due to make their policy decisions in the next uh, in the next few days. Um, but again, the Fed, perhaps most important. And we have to talk about what it might actually mean for economies in Asia, because we have seen sensitivities, especially in Southeast Asia to the Fed's moves. What might the decision mean for economies in Asia and also policy stances by central banks, especially now that we have to take this potential drift between Beijing and Washington, D.C.? 
Well, we have a higher U.S. borrowing costs. The Fed is tightening, and that's always a headwind for Asian markets. Now, what's different in this cycle is that usually when the Fed raises interest rates, exports tend to do very well as well. In this cycle, when the Fed is actually going to raise interest rates next year, our export could potentially slow because they're already so strong. And so what's different in this cycle is the Fed's raising interest rates hurting us, but we're not going to get the benefits from even stronger exports. And so that's a bit of a challenge for for Asia. Now, the good news, though, is that our fundamentals are strong. We have strong current account positions. We have high FX reserves. And so we can take it in our stride. But when it comes to economic growth, it's going to be a bit of a pinch when the Fed raises interest rates over the coming year. All right. And so how does this is all of this? And may I also bring in, perhaps, if I may, the impact and the uncertainties of the Omicron variant. How is this now? impacting HSBC's forecast for Asian economies heading into 2022, if you have some forecasts already, Frederick? Well, we're still a bit cautious when it comes to 2022. Stabilization, of course, will come in. Uh, but there are some headwinds. One is that trade will likely slow. The other one, you mentioned Omicron. Uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet when it comes to the virus, whether it be Omicron or Delta. Um, we've seen in Europe, for example, big disruptions again. Um, and so there is a risk here of some headwinds. Also, the Chinese economy is still an engine for Asia's growth, but it's sputtering at the moment. And may take a few quarters to really rev up again. And so when you look into next year, stabilization, yes, things are going to improve, but it's going to be a transition year uh, between the pandemic and really the post pandemic. We're not quite out of the clear yet. All right. And just very quickly, Frederick, I did notice that in your latest note and probably one of your last notes for the year for HSBC is that you you are actually advising people in the holidays to consume more chocolate. Now, what are the charts telling you and why are you doling out this advice at the end of the year, sir? Well, first, a disclaimer, I'm not a nutritionist, so it's a lighthearted take. But when you look at correlations, (laughs) you look at correlations between per capita uh, chocolate consumption and national happiness, there's a very strong positive correlation. And that suggests to me, you shouldn't always say no to chocolate. Uh, You should also sometimes indulge yourself a little bit for the sake of happiness. Indeed. Perhaps that would be good news, actually, for Shazad Sons, perhaps, if he was listening in. Frederick Newman, (laughs) co-head of Asian Economics at HSBC, thank you so much for joining today on Money FM 89.3. As always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times. We look forward to the next time you can join us on the show. Meanwhile, have a great holiday season ahead, sir, and a great afternoon in Hong Kong. Thank you very much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.